The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the safe sleep guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr. Fallon and Dr. Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respects to their elders past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome back to Brand New Little People, the podcast where we talk about all things early parenting with a bit of a focus on sleep and settling and crying during those first few years. I'm your host, Dr. Fallon Cook, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Dr. Laura Conway. Laura, how are you managing on this very, very hot day? Oh, yes. Well, for those people listening um, who might be listening at some point in the future um, or who are outside of Australia, Victoria has just entered its first heat wave of the summer. And we've got, I think it's going to be three or four days in a row of really, really high temperatures. And um, I live in a townhouse, as you know, Fallon, and the Mm. upstairs is like a hot box when the air conditioner breaks, which mine has. And it's so unpleasant upstairs that last night uh, me and the kids actually had to decamp downstairs under the air conditioner and we set up camp beds so that we could all actually get some sleep down there Mm. Uh, and oh my goodness once we were downstairs it was fine but gosh it's hard to go to sleep when your body temperature can't drop and that's so important when you are going to sleep that your body temperature um, can drop it's one of the um, things that helps us go off to sleep isn't it so Um, It really just made me think about all those emails we have and clients that we see um, who are asking questions about what temperature the bedroom should be and how to dress their toddlers and babies at Mm. night um, and how it is really important to get it right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. We just need the the landlords of Australia to understand the importance of a cool sleep environment because I know there's lots of families in your position where it's out Mm. of your hands and you're just waiting for someone else to actually get it fixed and get it sorted I'm so glad at least you do have the downstairs that's air conditioned to to sleep in because it's um, yeah it's horrible when it's too hot it really does impact sleep and even just sleeping somewhere different to normal impacts your sleep as well you're much more likely to wake up overnight Um, we know the parents listening feel that when they move their babies to a new sleep space often they have a few really tricky nights because they're just thinking where am I what's going on yeah it's just a bit different um, and it does make yes. you that little bit more wakeful. Yeah, mm. it does. I woke up quite a few times last night wondering um, who that arm was in my face. And it's my daughter's because <laughs> she was on the pull-out <laughs> couch with me. And then my, oh. my little boy is on the um, the little um, camp bed next to us uh, making strange sounds as he does. And um, yeah, so... <laughs> Anyway, a bit of a disturbed uh, night. Um, how about you, Fallon? How are you getting uh, on? I'm yeah, I'm tired, but it's a self-induced um, kind of fatigue because I've been <laughs> setting my alarm for multiple times during the night, like 2 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m., because I am so determined that I will be able to get Taylor Swift tickets for the coming <laughs> weekend in Melbourne because my daughter and I are big Taylor Swift fans. Um, she's only seven, but 
like she's so so keen to go Aww. and the, yeah yeah ticket tech marketplace oh my god it's like the stuff of nightmares <laughs> it really is <laughs> so I was like okay I'll get up at weird times in the night because then the queues will be less and maybe I'll get in maybe I'll be lucky um but so far yeah. no luck just me feeling completely shattered <laughs> Oh, no, you poor thing. Um, and are the queues actually less in the um, yeah, marketplace? Yeah, you get through the queue really quickly in the middle of the night. But, of course, there aren't many tickets that come up at that time. But I was just kind no, of working okay. on this theory that the people who want to sell their tickets on Marketplace would be having the same troubles logging into the system in the day. So maybe they try later at mm. night. I don't I don't even know. I'm just desperate at this point, Laura. <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I'm keeping everything crossed for you that you well, the backup managed plan. to get the tickets. Yeah, I hope mm-hmm. we do. The backup plan is that we're going to um, have our own little concert at home. We're going to um, hire Eras to a movie and, like, dress up oh, yes. and do our nails and make a whole night oh. of it at home. My, my daughter wants to make her own tickets. and So we'll have fun either way. But, um, yeah. yeah, if everyone out there oh. can just send me thoughts special thoughts of getting tickets i need the good the good energy <laughs> yes we'll all be man what's it called manifesting yes manifesting yes. taylor swift tickets for you and your daughter thank you i'll report back next week on whether we got them <laughs> yes. i'm sure we won't but anyway it's worth a try <laughs> but i guess that's giving you a taste um of or almost a reminder of what it's like um, for the parents who are listening, who are waking up multiple times a night, what that experience feels like. Um, yes. And obviously both of us went through it when our children were um, really small. Um, but these things always do come to an end. Um, and it yeah. can take a few years, uh, depending on how many children you have in a row. Um, yes. And then it feels really hard when you have a broken night again, when you haven't had one like that in a while. Yes, you get to a point where mm. the broken nights are so far behind you that you You'll be setting your alarm for 2 a.m. to try and get concert tickets for your your now grown up babies. <laughs> yes. Uh, hey, Laura, we had a um, an interesting email during the week from someone who really wanted to know more about split nights or biphasic nights. Mm. We call them, um, but lots of parents do call them split nights. And I thought that could be a good kind of discussion point for us to kick off this mm. week's episode because it's something that we see. Oh, quite a lot. Like I would say, mm-hmm. or yeah, a decent chunk of cases we see in the clinic um, having mm-hmm. some split nights. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about sort of what they look like? How would you detect one in a sleep diary? Yeah. Um, so when we get the sleep diaries through, I often say to parents, the first thing I do is look to see how much sleep on average a child or baby is getting across a 24 hour period. And then I look um, to see if they are having overnight wakes, at what time of the night they're happening, how frequently they're happening and how long they're lasting for. Mm. And with that last point, how long they're lasting for, what I'm looking at to see is does this baby or toddler or preschooler um, experience split nights and so those are normally wakes that are edging towards an hour or longer overnight um, and what we sometimes see um, across a whole week would be that a baby or toddler might have two or three nights um, in that week where they are awake for an extended length of time overnight when we see um, diaries where it's happening every night, that's when it's really established. And um, it can be 
that for some toddlers in particular, they'll um, it's like their circadian rhythm um, falls into a pattern of um, going to bed at maybe seven o'clock at night, sleeping through until one o'clock in the morning, and then they're awake from one until three or four. Mm. And then they go back to sleep again and they'll have another few hours and maybe you don't wake up until eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And those families are exhausted, aren't they, Fallon? Yeah, it's a rotten, rotten thing. Um, Yeah, and it can really vary in presentation. So some of those babies or toddlers are wide awake for that hour or three or four hours sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. But others might actually know that they're supposed to be asleep. They understand it's still nighttime. So they're trying really hard to go back to sleep, but they just can't quite do it. Um, yes. And what it, and yeah, and it can present quite differently because I think too, I think it's really common to see this in older toddlers who are having a day nap still. So what can yes. happen is they have this big, long split night. They wake up exhausted in the morning to go off to childcare or kindergarten. Um, and of course, then they need a day nap because they had a terrible night. So they have their day yeah. nap, but then the day nap means that that night, that sleep pressure is too low. They've had too much of their sleep in the daytime. And so they have another split night. So of course they wake up tired yeah. again and it's just this cycle that keeps going. And, and some parents will say, but they have to have a day nap. There's no way they'll make it through the day without it. Mm-hmm. And we sort of have to say, well, if we're going to solve those split nights, something's got to change. And it might be that we have to reduce the length of the day nap or maybe it just has to go all together um, or for smaller yeah. babies it just might mean that we have to work on decreasing the total number of naps or the length of those mm. naps so that there's more sleep they can have um, overnight yeah and that can be um, a tricky piece of information to impart to parents mm. um, when they are obviously living this life with their um, older toddler who is or preschooler who is feral <laughs> during the day mm. and falling asleep um, in the afternoon and it can't stay awake on the way home from kinder for example um, and we say to them oh, it's really important that you drop that nap or you reduce that nap to only one sleep cycle mm. and it I think it can just seem so counterintuitive because Mm. for these parents, they can see that their child is cranky and not coping during the day, even with a nap. And then when we're saying to them, you need to drop that nap or reduce it considerably, it just it sounds like madness yeah and it but sounds far it too really, difficult because these parents are really yes. exhausted like what do you mean i don't get a break in the daytime yes. the parents need it as much as the the tired toddlers and preschoolers yeah and look sometimes yes. too you know if you've got older children they might not have the nap anymore but they're still having the split nights this is really mm. common actually um in neurodiverse children that they fall asleep mm. and then wake up for a while in the middle of the night And in that case, sometimes what's happening is um, they're falling asleep, you know, having that chunk of sleep, waking up for a while. And then when they fall back asleep, they're allowed to sleep in longer um, because, you Mm -hmm. know, if they've only fallen back asleep at 5 a.m. after being up for four hours, then it's pretty hard to get them up at 7 a.m. You know, they just want to keep sleeping. So a lot of parents will let them sleep into 8 or 9 a.m. And then that perpetuates that cycle. So sometimes it's a case of just having a really strict wake up time um, to really Mm -hmm 
kind mm. of essentially you're trying to push more sleep into the night time um, so that there is mm-hmm. just one consolidated block of sleep. Um, but yes. yeah, it can be really challenging. Yeah. So I think we could, um, it'll pro- probably help our listeners, Fallon, if we actually just explain what the rationale, kind of what the cause is for mm. those split nights. Um, now, I have a gardener in the little set of units that I live in who's just started up outside. I, can <laughs> I don't hear know if that. you can hear him. Can you hear him? Yeah, so, just very um, I might just Yeah, I might just pass the baton back to you to just explain why the split nights happen. Um, just mm. because when you're editing this podcast, Fallon, you'll be able to just quieten down the uh, whippersnipper. <laughs> I'll just edit you out for a while. <laughs> edit me out for a little while. <laughs> So back to you. Yeah. So look, with split nights, I think a good way to think about it is it's probably easier to conceptualise if we're thinking about a toddler or a preschooler, um, just because they tend to be having a bit less day sleep. If we say, let's imagine that we have a toddler who maybe needs about 12 hours of sleep per 24 hours. That's kind of the average amount of sleep um, that they're getting every day. If they're having a let's just say they have a two-hour day nap. Um, That's going to leave them with about 10 hours of sleep that they actually need to get overnight. So if they fall asleep at 7 p.m., and if they do sleep through, there's a really high chance they're going to wake up at 5 a.m., so pretty early. Um, And often then parents will try to resettle that child, even though they've met their sleep needs. You know, no, I've never met a parent who's really that keen to be up at 5 a.m. So often, you know, they'll try and resettle. So that baby starts to realise, or toddler rather, starts to realise, oh, I actually need to sleep in longer and sometimes the circadian rhythm does weird things so it kind of realizes I need to sleep in longer so I've got to take sleep away from somewhere else Um, so what can sometimes happen is you know they um, still get that 10 hours overnight but maybe the circadian rhythm realizes I've got 12 hours to meet this 10 hour sleep need I could do it from 7 p.m anywhere through to 7 a.m so then what can happen is yeah they might start to wake halfway through the night and be wide awake for a couple of hours because the circadian rhythm's kind of figured out this is fine I've got enough time still to fall back asleep and meet that 10 hour sleep need that I've got overnight before it's time to get up in the morning and you know get ready for childcare or something so that's essentially how it works is it's a sort of um there's not enough sleep pressure or and certainly not enough kind of sleep quota for that that child to sleep 12 hours overnight because they've had a couple of hours of day sleep so in a situation like that that's where we might say um, well, it could go multiple ways. It might be that you keep your two-hour day nap, but you aim for a 10-hour window overnight, maybe an 8 p.m. bedtime and a 6 a.m. wake-up and hold that very steady for a week so the circadian rhythm starts to realise, um, you know, if I'm put down for sleep, I have to sleep because I'm not going to be given extra opportunities to, to play catch-up um, at other times. Or it could be that it's time to reduce that day nap um, or drop it entirely and aim for the full 12 hours overnight. Um, so which way you go is going to depend a lot on the child's mood, on their temperament, on on the family's priorities as well and what works best for them. Mm. Yeah, and if you've got a, um, a younger um, child, so maybe a 12-month-old who's um, having a split night and is still having two naps, that might be the point at which you transition to the one nap um, because that second nap too close to bedtime is just taking the edge off that sleep pressure 
um, at the start of the night and it's just not high enough for your um, baby to be able to maintain their sleep all night um, and it's like a little camel hump in the middle of the night the uh, which is how I often describe it in clinic so there's mm. enough sleep pressure to do half of the night's sleep um, and then the sleep pressure wears out so then your baby or toddler is awake for an hour or longer overnight waiting for their sleep pressure to build back up again to then do their next stretch of sleep mm. um, so it can often split nights can often come about at around um, a point where families are or a baby or toddler is ready to change their daytime sleep so drop a nap or drop the nap altogether Mm. Um, yeah, and look, yeah. the, the Sonbell programs will help you work through that. But I think this is the one sort of area of Sonbell where you know you can absolutely work through it on your own, keep your sleep diary, and the Sonbell program will talk you through it. But if your child has some really weird and wonderful circadian rhythm issues going on, um, mm. that is often the case that you need to have a chat with us quickly so that we can look at that diary and provide you some mm. more solid advice on where to make those changes. Um, it's just yeah. something where I think that it needs sometimes that that nuance that we bring to it as practitioners um, to really figure mm. out, you know, the next steps um, that you should be trying. So if you are feeling really stuck with that, often it is just a quick chat with us and we can um, get that mm. sorted for you. Yeah. Yeah. So a family could book in for a coaching call, couldn't they, Fallon, if they, um, yeah, they absolutely. have a child who's having these split nights? Yeah. Mm. And at the moment, there's only about a week wait. I've actually got a few coaching calls available next week if anyone wants them. Um, they are there. Mm. So if you're struggling with any sleep issue at all um, and you're a Sombell member, you can jump in there and book one. Um, yeah. we, we got some lovely feedback during the week, Laura, from Bonnie and Dan, who um, would previously answered some of their questions um, on the podcast and they sent in this little update. Um, so this is what they had to say. They said, thank you so much. We're so happy with the program so far. We've worked through the program meticulously in the last couple of days and we ended up choosing the accelerated approach. While it's only day one, I'm absolutely incredulous in a delighted way at how well our little girl has responded. I thought on the first <laughs> night I'd be up for screaming in tears for 45 minutes or more, but she went to sleep after about eight minutes. Mind blown. Wow. <laughs> she says, overnight she woke once and settled with the first lot of pats. For today's nap, it was the same. She settled calmly, went to sleep on her own after a few little cries. And they say, I know it's only early days, but honestly, I can't believe it. It was taking 30 minutes or more to get her to sleep. And the dread would build up every night that the night ahead would be particularly difficult or that she would not transfer from my arms to the cot when I was doing my ninja-esque moves to try not to wake <laughs> her in the process. <laughs> so they say, Aww. Bonnie and Dan, thank you so much for your help. I only wish we'd found you sooner. <laughs> oh, that is wonderful news, Bonnie and Dan. We're so delighted to um, to hear that update from you. Um, yeah. And this is why Fallon, you and I created Sombell, isn't it? So yeah. that we can help families take control, um, learn what's um what to expect with sleep to understand the psychology of sleep and crying um and what bonnie and dan are reaping is the rewards of that where yeah. they have been able to empower themselves as parents and yes. make those changes and their little girl has responded really readily 
and yeah. easily. And I like yeah, too, they acknowledge, so yeah, they know it's only early days. So they, they understand yeah. that there will be ups and downs and we're certainly not done and dusted. But what I really love about this particular family is that you know, so many families are so scared to make a change. <laughs> we see it all the yes. time. They're like, oh, no, I'm going to be up for hours and hours of crying. It's going to be absolutely hideous. But our approaches are designed to minimise crying. So we really tap into your baby yes. or toddler's ability to learn and understand from, from your actions. And so many parents are surprised that the settling is actually a whole lot easier than they thought it would be. Um, yes. So if you've been thinking, yeah. oh, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do this, should I really make changes? I would say dive in. You've really got nothing to lose. Yeah. If it doesn't go well, well, you can always change your mind. But for some families, it goes surprisingly well. Um, yeah, yeah. Bonnie and Dan are well on their way to having much better sleep. So well done, guys. And thank you so much yeah. for the update. It really is fantastic. So should we move on to some of the questions that we've got, Fallon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Should I read out Rihanna's? Yeah, I can read out Rihanna's. So Rihanna has sent in a question. Um, Rihanna is a solo mum of a six-month-old who has started to roll in his cot. Uh, So she says, my son is rolling onto his stomach multiple times a night, getting stuck and freaking out. (laughs) Do you have any suggestions for managing this? Thanks for your amazing work. It's really been a lifeline of hope for me. Thanks, Rihanna. Uh, Lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. Oh, look, Rihanna, it's so hard when they start rolling around in their cot. Honestly, cots are just like the ultimate um, support structure for rolling, climbing, pulling themselves (laughs) up. It's ridiculous, really. Um, Look, I would say it's going to feel like you're in hell at the moment, but it should pass pretty quickly. Often there's a week or two of them rolling around and having extra wake-ups, and then they stop doing it. The novelty wears off and it gets Mm. easier. For now... I mean, I don't know what sort of approach you're using with settling, but what I'd be inclined to do is if he rolls over, don't roll him straight back, you know, straight away. Give him a moment there Mm -hmm. to try and, you know, sometimes babies need to feel that little bit of frustration to realise, oh, I shouldn't have done this. (laughs) This isn't isn't (laughs) how I like to sleep at all. So if we just wait a moment and when they're a little bit frustrated, then roll them back, um, it gives them the chance to practice getting themselves back into position, um, but also means the novelty wears off a little bit quicker. So just know you're going to have a few tricky nights, maybe a tricky week, um, and then, yeah, he should get better again. Yeah. And during the day, Rihanna, um, lots of tummy time, um, which I'm sure you're already doing, um, just to help um, your baby build up the muscles and skills to be able to roll from um, his tummy onto his back and um, the other way. And mm. with time, um, it won't. it's not that far away, Rihanna. Um, he'll be able to do it much more um, easily than he's doing now and won't get so um, stuck and frustrated and freaking out in yeah. his cot overnight. He'll know how to get himself yeah. into his favourite sleep position. Um, mm. And, of course, just check your cot um, is really safe and there's nothing, you know, dangerous in there, no blankets or anything that he can get tangled up in. Um, yeah. Lauren sent in an email. So this is a little bit of a long one, um, but she raises some really great questions. So um, Lauren rather has a seven month old and she says he goes to bed in his cot for his naps and night sleep relatively quickly and easily. But he has been waking incredibly frequently overnight, all night long, 10 or more times per <laughs> night. 
So this is a tough one. (laughs) This is a tough one. Yeah. Mm. Lauren says he is really quick and easy to settle back to sleep. And I don't pick him up unless, um, or except for one or two times at around 10 PM and 2 AM when he feeds. But she says it's still very disruptive to my sleep and my husband's sleep. Um, she says, if I let him try to resettle himself, he will cry and scream. Um, and Lauren also sent in some extra information, um, including that um, unless he's being fed, he falls asleep in his cot with his dummy um, and holds her fingers or has a brief pat to get back to sleep. Um, so he's getting mm-hmm. a little bit of support to fall asleep. Sounds like there could be some feeding to sleep, possibly, um, or mm-hmm. he's having some help with the dummy um, and some padding. Um, his cot is also next to Lauren's side of the bed so that she can put the dummy in easily. Um And once or twice a night, he's difficult to settle, but Lauren feeds him and then he's straight back to sleep. And Lauren also says that she's been trying to drop to just two naps for the past two days. So her baby's seven months old, so definitely should be on um, two naps, I would say, by now. Um, So, yeah, two naps per day for the last two days. But she says this means he's been going to bed earlier. The first night after having two day sleeps was a little bit better. But then she says that the last night was a disaster with him waking nine times before 10.30 p.m., even though the dummy was still in his mouth. Mm -hmm. So poor Lauren is exhausted and desperate for help and would like to know what she should do. Oh, yes, I bet you're exhausted, Lauren. That sounds hell, 10 times a night and Mm. nine times before 10.30. My goodness. Um, Okay, so when I um, listen to all that information, Fallon, the first thing I'm thinking is sleep pressure. Yeah. Um, (laughs) When we have a baby who's waking so frequently overnight and uh, that last night when it was nine times um, very early on, that is a red flag to me that the sleep pressure is not getting quite high enough at the start of the night for your baby to be able to maintain their sleep for long stretches of time. Now, you've been really brave moving to dropping to the two naps a day, Lauren. Um, it usually takes over seven, at least seven days, sometimes a little bit longer for some babies to adapt to a new daily rhythm. So what we often see, and I'm sure lots of the listeners would be nodding along with this, Lauren, in solidarity with you, is Mm. that in the first few days of moving to a new daily rhythm, like dropping um, to two naps from three, is that sleep can appear to get a little bit worse before it then gets better. Mm. And the trick as parents is to know that that is normal and to stick to your guns and not to think, oh, it's because I have moved to two naps that the nighttime sleep has worsened. The nighttime sleep was already bad and you were doing the right thing to help ameliorate all of those wakes overnight by reducing your baby's daytime sleep to the two naps. Mm. Um, So stick with it. Um, Go continue for... um, Well, I would say he's seven months old, so you really just need to continue now on with the two naps every day. Don't reintroduce a third nap. Mm. Um, You also said something in your email there about um, because he's only having two naps a day, that bedtime's a little bit earlier. I would really um, strongly recommend you log his sleep 
so that you can see how much sleep he's getting on on average per 24 hours and look to have that longer wake window before he goes to bed at the start of the night. Mm. Um, When we move to two naps, um, what we, uh, it's normally somewhere around six or seven, sometimes eight months of age, normally more like the six or seven month mark. What we also start to see is that babies can tolerate and do need to have longer stretches of sleep awake Mm. longer stretches of time awake during the day to have all that time to interact practice their fine and gross motor skills practice their communication um so i'd be um a little bit cautious about thinking that you need to move bedtime earlier Mm. when you move them to two naps probably you'd be looking at around without knowing what your baby's sleep needs are you know around seven months it would be something like four hours awake before bedtime sometimes a little bit more if they've got a lower sleep need Mm. um so don't be tempted to say oh well i need to keep he, he only needs to have two hours awake or two and a half hours awake before bed so i need to bring bedtime earlier it often is necessary to go the other way yeah. Do you have I, anything else to add, Fallon? Yeah, I completely agree. I think when we see what Lauren describes is what I call a very fragmented night. Um, and when you get that mm. level of fragmentation overnight, we can be extremely confident that sleep pressure is simply too low at night time. So I would just reinforce what you say, Laura. Really focus, Lauren, on just sticking to two naps. If they're shorter naps, doesn't matter. Um, that's completely fine. Mm-hmm. Plan lots of distractions to help keep him awake between those naps because we really need to show his circadian rhythm that we have less day sleep and we focus on bigger, longer stretches of sleep at night time. Mm-hmm. And one of the key signs that you're starting to get him into that rhythm with higher nighttime sleep pressure is that he should start to have his longest and deepest stretch of consolidated sleep at the beginning of the night. So if a baby's starting Mm. the night with lots and lots of wake-ups, definitely a sleep pressure problem. Um, Mm. Then I would be thinking, so that's the first thing I'd work on maybe for the next week or two weeks, Lauren. Then I would be thinking about the settling side of things. Um, It's, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're giving him really intense support to get back to sleep. Um, But even still, there's that chance at his age that he's waking up you know, not just because of the low sleep pressure, but there could be some motivating factors. He might be thinking, is it time for a feed yet? I'll call out and check mm-hmm. if it's feeding time. Um, he might mm-hmm. quite enjoy the the padding or um, whatever else you're reaching over to do. So he might be coming up into light sleep and thinking, I'll let out a quick call because then I get the pats and then I go back to sleep. So he's mm-hmm. really looking for that hands-on reassurance. So once you've worked on the sleep pressure, have a look through the Sombal strategies for cot settling. Choose one of them and start to apply that really predictably. He'd probably do quite well with that um, accelerated approach um, once sleep mm. pressure is is high enough. Um, mm. But, yeah, I feel, feel sorry for you, Lauren, because it is a really tough position that you're in. But I would just keep in mind that we've coached thousands of parents through exactly this. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Yeah. Lots of parents have been there before. It does not mm-hmm. last forever. And, and by reaching out, you're taking the first steps to getting that back on track. And once that sleep pressure part is back on track, um, things with the settling, they just fall into place that much more easily. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so hang in there, Lauren. Do let us know how you're going. Um, You mentioned that you might book a coaching call at some point. And look, I would probably say these are the sorts of cases that do tend to benefit from the coaching call. Mm -hmm. I know not it's not affordable for everybody, but if you're looking for extra Mm -hmm. support, um, it's a quick way of just getting a bit of support so you can get things on track again. Yeah, Mm. and when your nights are that fragmented, and if that's been going on for a long time, Lauren, it's really hard to see the wood for the trees. Um, you know, you're waking up so frequently overnight that um, having me or Fallon have a look through what plan you've put together and to check out the sleep diary might just be that fresh set of eyes that you need. Um, and we can also talk you through um, um, with whichever settling approach you use, um, ensuring that um, your baby has a little bit of time when he does wake up overnight to um, have the opportunity to try to self-settle. Sometimes when babies are waking that frequently and are really yelling and screaming, if you leave them to resettle themselves, um, that can really dent your confidence as a parent. And you're so determined to avoid that great upset in the middle of the night that you then respond really quickly when they come up into light sleep and it might be that actually some of those wakes that he's having overnight might just be very usual um, noisy wakes that happen as babies move between sleep cycles so anyway Mm. we could talk to you about that in a um, coaching call um, just to help you kind of regain a bit of your confidence and to um, let your seven-month-old have a, a small bit of practice um, to see if he can um, resettle before you jump in um, mm. to resettle him. Yeah, mm. you're doing a great job, Lauren. It's incredibly hard to parent a baby who's got really fragmented nights, so hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next we have an email from Kelly, and she has a question about her six-month-old. Um, She says that he is still swaddled in his bassinet. She has tried to use a sleeping bag, but he knocks his dummy out and gets more upset. She says, I know he needs to transition to being unswaddled, but he settles almost instantly when swaddled and resettles a lot easier. When starting a new settling approach, should I just make a clean start and put him in a cot in his own room, unswaddled, and start the technique? Or should I get him familiar and settled with the technique first before I move him into his own room? Oh, those are really good questions, aren't they, Fallon? Yes, really, really good questions. So on the one hand, there's part of me that says, look, it's, I mean, you definitely want them out of a bassinet by six months of age. That's really the cutoff because their ability to roll and get stuck or find a way out of their bassinet increases. So, um, and definitely with the swaddling as well, um, becomes a bit of a safety issue at this age because there's a good chance that they can roll over, but they don't have their hands free to be able to kind of push their, their face up away from the mattress. So on one hand, part of me says, just stop that straight away. Um, but I, I appreciate that it is really hard. I would say it's really sensible what you're thinking, Kelly, about trying to break this into different stages to help it all happen a bit more easily. Um, look, what I would suggest would be to start with the important stuff. So it might be that you um, unswaddle him and put him into the cot. It might, a cot might not fit beside your bed. That might be why he's still in a bassinet. So if you can't um, fit the cot in your room beside your bed, you might set up a spare bed beside his cot in his nursery. I would say just do the unswaddling and into the cot 
and still just give him whatever hands-on support you need to help him with that transition because I hear you, Kelly. It's a really tough transition. I know we've talked about it on this podcast. You know you're going to have a week of pretty terrible nights and tricky settling because he's so accustomed to that really tight, close, snug feeling from the swaddle. Um, so I would say use whatever hands-on supports or you know, shushing and humming that you need to get him falling asleep and adjusted to being in his cot and unswaddled. And that might take you a week or two. After that week or two, that's when I would start a new settling technique. So once he's kind of gotten used to falling asleep without the swaddle, um, then, yeah, then tackle that next stage of, of reducing how much hands-on support you're giving. Is that how you do it, Laura? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a great suggestion. Um, and when you are um, unswaddling him and putting him in the cot, he will knock that dummy out so many times um, mm. because he just won't know what to do with those little arms overnight. Um, and so if you are able to have a um, bed for yourself right next to the cot, that's just going to make it so much easier for you to be able to replace the dummy mm. overnight um, until he gets used to um, holding his arms still overnight and the novelty of those unswaddled arms passes. Mm. You could also look at the um, the module in Sombell where we describe... Um, how to approach dummy use um one of the things you might want to do is the dummy play during the day kelly mm. so that um uh, she gets used to um uh, replacing her dummy or searching for her dummy around her and then popping it back in her mouth it's going to be quite soon you might have another month or two until she can do that more um independently mm. um and yeah and then as you say fallon um once you've made that um transition to her being unswaddled in the cot in her own room then pick the settling approach and um and get going on that so yeah. probably got a few more weeks ahead of you um and then you should have a baby that's sleeping quite well kelly yeah absolutely and i would say um with the dummy when he wakes at night and needs it replaced put it in his hand and then help guide his hand up to his mouth so that he's getting used to that action that's required it won't always go to plan he might just spit it out straight away but the only way for him to get better at it is to practice and if his arms are swaddled well he just doesn't get that chance so um, one final thing I'll say Kelly is if you've got a partner they need to be helping with this too it's going to be a change uh, a period of a big big change and lots of night waking so um, you know, make sure you're tag teaming maybe you, you split the night in half or something like that um, you shouldn't manage it all on your own so you might might plan to do this when you've got your partner around um, or a friend or someone who can come and help you um, could be a good idea yeah. Laura, um, Cassie is also sent through an email. Um, she's got a 12 week old and would like to know more about catnapping. Um, she says, I recently stopped contact naps and started to settle her in her cot using the accelerated approach. She was previously having more sleep when we did contact naps, but now only has short cat naps. Nights have also been impacted over the last three nights with frequent wakes. Cassie says she's going really well with settling her baby in her cot and her baby's falling asleep happily. She has a dummy which sometimes causes her to wake if it falls out, but the dummy helps her to go to sleep. She won't actually close her eyes unless she has her dummy. <laughs> so the first Aww. part of Cassie's question is, should she get rid of the dummy or is it okay to keep it? 
look, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. Mm. Um, so some babies just absolutely love their dummy, um, and in which case um, it's just worth that uh, few months of time where you'll need to replace the dummy when she loses it overnight. Um, and once she's seven months or older and is able to replace the dummy herself, then you can really reap the rewards of dummy use because um, they, they can just be wonderful. Mm. If, however, your baby doesn't really um, doesn't mind, is a bit ambivalent about the dummy, um, or you absolutely cannot, it's just not, you do <laughs> the thought of having to replace the dummy overnight for the next four months is just too much for you, then um, you can get rid of it. Best to do it before the baby is about six months old. Um, so Cassie, your baby's only 12 weeks old. So if on hearing us say you're likely to need to replace your baby's dummy until she's about seven months old, if that just sends you into a spin and a cold sweat, <laughs> then um, maybe get rid of it. But if you really don't mind, then um, keep it. Do you yeah. have anything to add, Fallon? No, no, I think that, that summarises things really, really well. Um, and Cassie also says whilst her baby has been doing all of her naps settling in the cot, Cassie's planning to start settling her in the cot at bedtime from next week. Mm. Um, Cassie's mm -hmm. keen to get some longer day naps happening. Um, her baby's currently having four to five cat naps each day. She wonders if she should offer an extra nap to help her make it through the day or perhaps an earlier bedtime or should she offer one nap in the carrier each day to help her have a longer stretch of sleep she doesn't like to nap in the car or the pram um, and Cassie's also wondering should she be adjusting the timing or maybe reducing the length of the awake windows as the day progresses what do you mm. think um, so some babies are serial catnappers and um, for those listeners who aren't sure what catnaps are it's generally about one sleep cycle um, so some babies will when they're napping will only have one sleep cycle and they um, find it difficult to link a sleep cycle uh, without uh, link um, another sleep cycle without intense support or a contact nap for example some babies just won't even ever have more than just one sleep cycle for their day naps mm. um, we see cat napping quite often in smaller babies um, younger babies so Cassie's baby is only 12 weeks old so um, it's not unusual for really little babies to have a lot of frequent naps during the day so Cassie's baby's having four or five cat naps each day um, once the baby's circadian rhythm system matures after about 12 weeks of age, um, what can start to happen is that they'll begin to link a, um, a sleep cycle for one or two naps each day. And so the um, number of the cat naps starts to decrease. They may move to having two longer naps and then continue to have one shorter nap. Um, but for some babies, they actually continue to have cat naps for a while until they drop down to um, two naps a day. Um, particularly if they have sleep needs at the, at the lower end of the normal range. Mm. So if you have a baby that only has a 13 hour sleep need when they're quite young, um, it may be, or even less than that, it might be that they're just gonna be cat nappers um, until they're able to have longer stretches of time awake during the day. Mm. It's not 
actually something to really worry about that's not going to do um, any harm if your baby is a catnapper. Um, one of the ways that we do um, suggest helping babies to stop having catnaps or to see if they can stop having catnaps is to ensure that we're giving them lots of opportunities to practice linking their sleep cycles in their cot or bassinet. And Fallon, I was interested to read that Cassie has been doing cot settling during the day um, for the naps um, and is going to be starting on cot settling um, at night time next week. So one possibility is that Cassie's baby has yet to develop those independent settling skills at night when sleep pressure is a bit higher um, and um, therefore hasn't yet develop that strong muscle, if you like, of coming up into light sleep, seeing that nothing has changed around them since they went to sleep and then going back down into the next sleep cycle. So it might be, Cassie, that when you do start to work on that cot settling at night, that you do find that your baby moves from having four or five cat naps a day to having maybe two longer naps and then one shorter nap. Mm. What do you think, Fallon? Yeah, look, I think it's definitely possible. It's so common when you start cot settling after having had contact naps for a while, the naps are going to be shorter. So you're doing absolutely the right thing, giving her four or five cat naps to get through the day. Um, it could be, like you've said, Laura, with a bit more practice of settling in the cot overnight as well, um, she'll just get better at it and you'll start to find that she will mm -hmm. have some longer naps. I would just say make sure her bedroom in the daytime is really super dark um, because at the moment mm -hmm. she is managing to get herself back to sleep overnight um, by the sounds of it. There's some some longer stretches at night time um, happening at times. So um, with that mm. darker room during the daytime, sometimes they do come up into light sleep, they open their eyes, everything's black, there's nothing to look at and they drift back again. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be a helpful factor. In terms of your question, Cassie, about whether you should offer one nap in the carrier each day to help have a longer stretch of sleep, this will depend very much on your priorities. If you're the type of parent where you just want your baby to self-settle in the cot and do it as early as possible, you know, you could have many reasons why you want that to happen. I would say don't do it. You know, just really focus on that cot settling and hopefully soon she'll start mm -hmm. to have a longer nap in the cot if she actually needs it. You know, she'll have the skills to be able to do it. But if you're not on a really fast time course, if you, um, you know, find that it's good for your mental health to get that longer stretch of sleep and you love doing that nap in the carrier, mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have to hurry any of this. Um, you could, mm -hmm. you know, hold onto a carrier nap once each day for a little while. Um, maybe in another few weeks, mm -hmm. you'll feel ready to drop it. Um, your baby is still, mm -hmm. still little, so it's okay to, to have a bit of flexibility there. Mm. Um, oh, and there was one last part of her question about whether to reduce the length of the awake windows as the day progresses. And sort of circling mm. back to what we were talking about earlier, definitely not. You still, even for little babies, um, it might be that that last awake window is only slightly longer than the rest of the awake windows during the day. Um, but it should generally be longer, should be the longest awake window. Mm -hmm. So you don't want those awake windows to get shorter as the day wears on. They should be getting slightly longer. Um, it mm. won't always go to plan though but just do your best no yeah yeah I think that's um that's a really good answer Fallon when they're so little that wake window is I mean she, your baby is still probably earlier on in the day only managing to be awake for maybe an hour and a half before she goes down for her first nap and it might be that towards the end of the day um she can actually manage 
an hour 45 or two hours or even two hours 15. Um, so it's still a short length, length of time that she'd be awake for, depending on what her overall sleep need is. Um, but yeah, we don't want to be going backwards and making trying to settle a baby after um, only being up for a short amount of time as the day goes on. Um, so keep going. You're doing a great job, Cassie. Um, you've, you've still got a very little baby. Um, so you're um, really laying good foundations um, to support her sleep as she gets yeah, older. All that practice, um, so it all again, helps. Good luck. Yeah. Mm. And speaking about little babies, we have an email just came in this morning from James and Spring. Um, They've just brought home their tiny two week old baby. So congratulations, guys. That's really, really lovely. Um, So they've signed up to this Sunbell program for babies zero to three months of age. So that's fantastic. Lovely to have you. Um, And they would like to know when would you suggest starting things? So for example, they, they mention in um, our unique sleep needs chapter, um, there's an exercise where you record um, sleep over the course of a week. Um, they're wondering if that's something they should be doing now at two weeks of age or should they wait until his sleep patterns are a little bit more established? Um, and they asked about the rest of the content, like when's the best time to start trying to implement things like a predictable daily rhythm, um, you know, predictable bedtimes and things like that. Hmm. What would you say to that, Laura? So we have written the naught to three month um, program to be um, applicable to babies from um, right from the get go. And we do um, know that baby sleep changes considerably across those first three months um, in a lot over the first year. But particularly <laughs> those first three months can be a wild ride. Um, so I think it's a really good idea um, to log your baby sleep um, at this point, even when they're just two weeks old, just to get a sense of whereabout they sit on that in that very wide range of normal for newborn sleep. You know, some newborn babies need 17 or 18 hours sleep per 24 hours. And other newborn babies only need 13 hours of sleep um, per 24 hours. And we can see that emerging from really early on. Um, So just for your knowledge and education, James and Spring, Yep, I would say that you can certainly log um, your little baby's sleep. Um, And you can also then have a read through the different approaches um, for bassinet settling and cot settling um, and just have a think about whether um, it is something that you want to start working on now. All of those approaches are very, very gentle and appropriate um, for very little babies. Um, And if you would like to give your very little baby the Um, opportunity to go into their bassinet awake and see if they can settle themselves to sleep whilst your hands are resting on them that's absolutely fine to do that Um, Mm. if you'd prefer to um, just do carrier sleeps or contact naps that's also okay at this age Um, it's about knowing what's safe um, and what's appropriate for really little babies so as you read through those modules in Sombell it's going to give you a really good idea um, about those things Mm. Um, Fallon did you have anything to add yeah look I would just say I think with the really little babies 
what you choose to do or what parts of Sombal you choose to implement will depend entirely on your priorities. So we've seen parents of newborns who say, I'm a very anxious person and I really need to have some predictability in my day or I just can't cope with parenting. So in those parents, we would say, okay, let's start to work towards a predictable bedtime and a predictable wake up time for your baby, because that will mean that their naps are a little bit more likely to fall at similar times each day. And it might just help you feel like you've got a little bit more predictability in what's a very chaotic Mm. time when you've got a tiny baby. Yes. So for some parents would say, yes, you know, it's probably really going to help. Other parents are just like, I'm fine to just kind of play it by ear, (laughs) roll with the punches, you know, we'll just (laughs) do whatever we need to do in any given moment to just carry on through. That's perfectly fine as well. A lot of parents will just do whatever. They're not thinking very much about sleep over the first four weeks or so. Um, And then often it's around that four week mark. They start to go, okay, now I think I'm, I'm going to try and do a few more naps in the cot or they'll just, you know, slowly start to work towards a bit more cot settling and Mm. a bit more of a rhythm. So it is entirely fine. There is no right or wrong way to do this at all. I think it's really important to know that in that newborn period, Um, you know, read through. So you've got all that information and knowledge about sleep and how it develops, you know, fresh in mind. Um, And then have a think about what your priorities are as a family and what you'd like to achieve with sleep. Um, And certainly don't feel any um, pressure, you know, to make big changes in Mm. these early days. It's completely fine to, um, to take each day as it comes. Um, and when you are ready yeah. to make big changes with sleep, if you feel you need to, you've got those resources there that you can dive into at any time. Yeah. Yeah. But congratulations, James and Spring. It's it's really lovely. You've got a brand new, gorgeous little baby and we'd love to hear some updates on how you're going over the next few months. You'll probably have questions you want to ask, so do send them in. So that wraps up all of the questions for this week. And I just want to say a really big thank you to the parents who have sent in those questions. Um, And I want to send you a virtual hug as well, because in reading through your emails, I could definitely hear that, um, you know, there's a lot of very, very tired families who probably feel like they are a very, very long way away from having good nighttime sleep. Um, But you're not, you know, these are problems that are really common and no matter how deep in the trenches you feel sleep can turn around really quickly and you are taking some really positive steps in the right direction just in being in Sonbao in asking the questions and reaching out for help um, so we look forward to hearing how things turn around keep us updated and if you've got more questions absolutely um, reach out to us Yeah, and I want to extend a warm welcome to all of the new families who have joined Sombell. Every week we're delighted to see um, the word getting out and more and more families um, coming into Sombell. And we just have a big smile on our faces, don't we, Fallon, when we see new people joining the course? Um, Because we know that means that we're going to be helping some families cut through the misinformation and disinformation that is out there particularly in social media around infant and toddler sleep so welcome everyone um work through your um 
devising your own sleep plan, logging your little one's sleep so that you get a really good sense of their unique sleep needs. Um, Send through questions to the podcast. Um, We'll answer them um, like we did um, today for other people. Um, And you can book coaching calls for as soon as next week. I think, Fallon, you've got some availability. Yeah, yep. There's some available next week. So and that's for existing members, but also new members. So if you've been thinking about joining and you think, gosh, I want to join, but I really want to have a chat with someone, it's the perfect time to do it. Yeah. And um, so if you um, have devised your sleep plan and you're not feeling quite confident to jump right in and you want to speak to um, Fallon first, um, then yeah, book in for a coaching call with Fallon and um, she'll give you the um, the rubber stamp, if you like, and the confidence to get going. <laughs> <laughs> but, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if you're loving our podcast, please do share it with friends. If you can just take a minute to hit subscribe or tap the five stars review option it really helps us especially you know with sleep and all the misinformation that's out there we know lots of parents um, are just looking for clear sensible advice so point them towards this podcast um, so they can also enjoy better sleep thanks so much for listening everyone we'll see you again next week thanks everyone bye-bye if you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling you need some bell Sumbel is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and so can your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombell.infantsleep.com.au.